0: Hello, everybody. I'm Aaron Martell. And I'm Ray Zimmer. And welcome to Albumatics, a podcast where we discuss and analyze a musical album of our choice. This episode, we have returning to the co-pilot's chair, the super listener himself, Sam George. Sam, good to have you back, man. Great to be back, man. All right. Outstanding. So on this episode, we're going to talk about Radiohead's 1997 album, OK Computer. Sam, how'd you discover Radiohead and this album in particular?
1: Well, I'd heard Creep back in the mid-90s. Everybody heard that song. And, you know, it was a great song, I guess. But, you know, uh, I heard the album. I don't know if I had it or not. I heard the album, and I wasn't that impressed. It wasn't for me. Uh, The next record they have, somebody, one of my friends or something, let me hear Fake Plastic Trees. And I heard High and Dry. And I was like, "Yeah, okay, I can dig this. At that time, I don't know what else was going on at that time, but at that time it seemed like those guys had really good songs, you know? And they have another great song on that record, uh, Street Spirits, Fade Out. That's a good song. Uh, Planet Till X is a good song. That's a great, that's a good album. So I was kind of, so when this came out, and uh, I saw the Paranoid Android video on MTV. And then the next time I was at the record shop, they had it on display in the listening station, right? And so you go check it out and you put it on. And uh, I listened to it for a few minutes. Uh I heard Airbag and then I skipped that and I heard Paranoid Android and I bought the damn record. And it was uh yeah, I've been a fan of this record ever since.
2: All right. Ray. Same like Sam, I remember hearing creep on the radio and I thought it was kinda of cool at the time, but also it seemed to me to kind of smack of like the record industry smack like just kind of gobbling up every band that fit into the i rock, you know, right. cookie cutter category. So yes. to be honest with you, I kind of dismissed it as like kind of a one hit wonder kind of thing. But I thought like York's vocals are kind of cool and different. And then I had an ex-girlfriend who got me into the bends. I would say she got me into the bends, but like she only got me into like uh, High and Dry and Fake Plastic Trees and um, Street Spirit. That was it. I didn't know the rest of the album till like a little bit later and felt, in fact, somebody played me this the title track to the Benz. I was like, oh, it's this. And they the guy was just like, you just said you like the Benz and you don't know this is the Benz. So I looked like a complete boob. <laughs> <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> sorry, Sergeant Philbrook. That was, yeah, I'm admitting it now. I know what you were thinking at that time. Then I got into uh, Kid A, which I got like for Christmas Eve of 2000, I want to say. And it was just as I had, a couple days earlier, I'd gotten sworn in to go to Missouri for Four months for yeah. for uh basic training. That's I, a
0: weird one to get into first. I know, I know. Yeah. I was like
2: I sat there listening to How to Disappear Completely, just thinking, what the fuck did I just sign myself into? And like every time I hear that song, <laughs> I can think back to like just like sitting in the center of my living room on the floor going, What am I doing?
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I liked it. I really liked Kid A. This album though, um, I didn't get into till, till I was like forty-one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um what? Yeah. Yeah, no. I first sure. I well, you know what it was, the ex-girlfriend was like, "No, that album's no good. My ex-boyfriend likes it." and You can't like. It. There's some bullshit like that. So I was just like, "Whatever." Um You're not uh, allowed to like it. Yeah,
1: she she was a ridiculous human being. So yeah, like it makes sense that she's your ex. Yeah,
2: I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But um you know, I I kind of like permy and uh in his trips through Texas, uh, this album I listened to uh, from Greenfield to Worcester for like two months straight nonstop. And I just it. it just really grew on me.
0: Yeah. I clearly remember hearing Creep from Radiohead's first album, Pablo Honey in 1993, and not being impressed whatsoever. I thought it sounded okay, but to me it was like second-rate grunge. And there was enough grunge music already out there that I could give a shit about these guys. It's kind of like what you were saying, Ray. (laughs) Now, cut to the end of the decade, the end of the 90s. So many music magazines and critics were singing the praises of OK Computer, saying it was one of the best albums of the 90s, and some even had the audacity to call it one of the best albums of all time. I thought, are you fucking kidding me? The Creep Band? Get the fuck out of here. So I just dismissed this album. I never listened to a single track. But I have to believe somewhere in the back of my mind I was curious about it, but I just couldn't admit it. Now we've got to skip way ahead to just a few years ago. I think it was 2016 or some shit like that. I discovered a music podcast called That Dandy Classic Music Hour, and they did a two-part review of OK Computer, and I got to tell you, the way they described it and how the music deeply affected them activated that curiosity I always had about it, and it inspired me to give the record a try. So in 2016, I listened to OK Computer for the first time ever, and I thought... That is one of the greatest albums of all time. It did nothing for me. And I figured all those critics who spooged all over it could take a flying leap. But there had to be something there that sparked my interest because I decided to listen to it again. And I actually connected to some of it. To make a long story short, within a week, I couldn't stop listening to it. And I ended up listening to it every single day for about six straight months, which is something I rarely do these days. So that should give a little spoiler of where I'm going to come in on this record. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here are some basic facts about this record, sponsored by your friends at Wikipedia. OK Computer is the third studio album by English rock band Radiohead, released on June 16, 1997, on Parlophone Records and Capitol Records in North America. It was produced by Nigel Godrich and was recorded on September 4, 1995, and July 1996 to March 1997 at Canned Applause, Didcot, England, and St. Catherine's Court, Bath, England. It reached number one on the UK Albums Chart and number 21 on the U.S. Billboard 200 Chart and is certified five times platinum by the BPI and two times platinum by the RIAA. Now I'll tell you the band's lineup card. We have... Tom York on lead vocals, guitar, piano, and programming. Johnny Greenwood on guitar, keyboards, piano, Mellotron, organ, and glockenspiel. Ed O'Brien on guitar, percussion, and backing vocals. Colin Greenwood on bass guitar, bass synthesizer, and percussion. And Phil Selway on drums and percussion. All tracks are written by Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, Ed O'Brien, Colin Greenwood, and Phil Selway. All right, let's begin a track by track analysis of this album. We get things going with Airbag. what do you think about this
1: man i really like that ominous first riff when it starts it's uh, really dark and heavy and odd it's, it's some kind of time signature i'm not sure what it is but and then but right after you hear that you hear the that little uh na-na-na-na-na. and that's just beautiful when it starts out and then then uh one of the are the greenwoods brothers by the way they are okay colin greenwood bass it's kind of accenting you know that well, I, that drum sample it's a drum sample you can tell there's a sample and uh but it still sounds almost funky and i dig it and there's spacey guitars and everything and i really dig that when it comes out and uh, i like the even when it you know the breakdown that comes a little later um it has got, even got jingle bells in the background <laughs> it's really nice and uh and i love the lyrics especially the the lyric uh i'm back to save the universe I don't know what these lyrics on this entire album are about, but I, th- I think he's kind of got a theme going on. I think there's they're not they're all nonsense. I don't think he knows what they are. You know some of them, but um, he does kind of have a purpose. And then the same song, same thing with this song. Uh, but it's, I really think it's a great start to the album.
2: Ray. Well, I'm really glad Sam said that because I was starting to think maybe I was on Crazy Pills when I heard sleigh bells. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, is it a t- yeah. just a tambourine or is it sleigh bells? Okay, yeah. but so... But we're o- sleigh
1: bells. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. then we're on the
2: same page. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so the, I, I too, I love the uh, that intro with like the electric electric guitar and maybe, is that a cello maybe in the background kind of drawn on or Maybe there's a keyboard. Could be, I, don't I don't know. know.
1: And then this the, like, might be the Mellotron too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Could be the me-
2: Yeah, probably that. But you got like that tambourine slash sleigh bells um, and then you got these really kind of cool and uh, beautiful, lightly arpeggiated uh, guitar chords going on in the background. Yeah. When you get to the verse section, you got this cool kind of droning electric guitar riff. Colin Greenwood's bass part—it's like really minimalistic. It just like punches you in the gut every once in a yeah. while with that cool little part. Da, da, da dun dun, and they're like, "Well, where the fuck did it go?" And while you're sitting there looking for it again, it comes up and kicks you in the ass. Like, "Oh, there it is! All right, thanks, nice." We got some cool ass tremolo picked guitar in the background. Uh, in the solo section, actually, I noticed, and Aaron and I were just talking about this before we started uh, recording, this is a headphone album, if ever there was a headphone, because you get so many different layers when you've actually got it, like you can like focus from the left channel to the right channel. Like I used to think that originally that was the during the guitar solo section, both guitarists and both channels were trem picking. No, they start out kind of doing that and then the guy on the left just starts playing the same notes but just like long and plaintive and sustained notes. Yeah. While the guy on the right hand channel is just trem picking the entire time, which sounds fucking aces as far as I'm concerned. Yeah.
1: Those guys are really good together. They accent the melody together. You know, they they add to the song and they're playing completely different things yes. and it's yeah, it's a completely different song
2: they make completely different textures i think yeah yeah, yeah. you're right yeah, and great. i like that and ed o'brien and johnny greenwood are another odd guitar duo kind of like DeGarmo and wilton without sounding like DeGarmo and wilton yeah. they're not like traditional the traditional rock duo by any means but th- that's what they do actually create when they're together sounds fucking incredible um, I even like the odd kind of DJ scratching sto- style sto- noises in the background. I guess they were listening to some guy named DJ Shadow a lot, who I think does like kind of techno, kind of hip hop kind of things. Yeah. And I saw an interview with them today with, um, I think it was with Tom York and Johnny Greenwood. Like, at the time that this came out, Massive Attack was supposed to take this album and, like, rework it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Who was it Tom York said a uh, massive attack studio producer like, "No, why don't you get, complete your own album first? <laughs> and then you can, so this could have had like a completely different trip hop angle. yeah, and I'm actually kind of glad yeah. that they didn't.
1: Yes. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. That would have been <laughs> garbage. But, um, yeah, DJ Shadow was a big. He was a he was one of those rave guys. He was a rave DJ. He would uh, show oh. up in a, in a town, and there'd be a secret party at some warehouse. And oh, he, DJ he, Shadow was one of those guys. So right. he had like
2: the extra hip tweed bat carrying case full of different records that he would play. Yeah. In, you know, and, 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 and then he would sneak speakers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was one of those guys. Oh,
2: awesome. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: and I like at the end how they kind of go back to the intro melody. Even that last, like, long note in the guitar, which you can kind of hear end ends abruptly. It's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is not what I expected to hear when I first pressed play. Johnny Greenwood's opening riff is cool and heavy, with Ed O'Brien's second guitar playing at less volume, but then taking up the mantle of the song when the vocals begin. The drums are mixed up front and in your face, and they are a loop created by Phil Selway and Tom York that are heavily compressed and processed by an older model Macintosh computer and were inspired by DJ shadow. This has one of the weirdest, coolest bass lines you'll ever hear that starts and stops and sounds like it shouldn't fit, but it does perfectly. We've all been kind of saying that. It was inspired by dub music. Nice job, Colin Greenwood. There are so many layered sounds on this thing, your brain can't pick it all out at first listen. Yet somehow there's a sense of openness, of space in the music. There's electronic sounds and whooshes that appear and fade away along with a super high mellotron chorus that gives a weird angelic effect whenever Tom sings an interstellar birth. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, there's yeah. no way doing that high. it's so weird, but it's cool. <laughs> the two guitars, like you were saying, Ray, have some excellent interplay throughout the track, at times sounding jangly, at other times distorted and heavy, and there are effects all over them. The reverb makes them sound like they're in an echo chamber. And then there's Tom's voice, high, not particularly powerful, but he has a way of conveying emotional intensity that can seep under your skin and affect you. It's an essential instrument in this band. I love his voice and the way he puts the lyric across. Speaking of lyrics, Tom said that on this album he was going for a much more abstract feel, somewhat inspired by Michael Stipe of R.E.M., but the words to this song are more or less on the nose. The narrator was in a car crash and saved by the airbag, and this leads him to feel elated, like he's gotten a second chance at life, and he's not going to waste it. I fucking love the section in Interstellar Burst. I'm back to save the universe. The music and vocals really communicate the sense of euphoria. The end of the track has a shit ton of electronic effects and general weirdness, and it took a few listens, but once this track clicked for me, I got it in a big way. I love this. And it was the fifth single from the album. The next track is Paranoid Android. Sam, you like this one? This is the first song that I
1: heard on this album. I saw the video on MTV. It was animated. It was weird. The dude had a beanie. I had a beanie, and it was <laughs> nice. And uh, I related to the song immediately. We had a, a decent uh, TV and a stereo then, and so I kind of got to, you know, turn it up and listen to it. And man, it was—I thought it was incredible when I first, you know, the first couple times you see the video, he's like, wow. You know, you, then you kind of wait for it, <laughs> you know, back then on MTV, man, it was like, okay, it's going to be on at some point. And, but anyways, I went and bought the album a few days later. And I love the, the drums and the bass throughout, but especially during the first riff, it's just like, it's syncopated and it's so, it's in the pocket and it's so nice. I and mean, it's groovy and it's not what I expected. From this band at all. I mean, this is kind of some complicated rhythms going on too, and I don't know if they're messing with polyrhythms on this particular song, but I know they are in the album. But man, and you know, Greenwood and O'Brien, they play off each other great, and song, you know, the verses are great, but. the I love it when they kind of break it down and like the, the bass does that like chromatic fill. They do some. Oh man, I love that shit. Yes. And it goes, mm-hmm. ambition makes you look pretty ugly. And I love the way he sings it. He raises the last syllable, you know,
0: and then get Ken's great, man. Gucci little piggy. You know, I love that shit, dude. The headphones opened up to me how good a bass player oh, Colin Greenwood is. Because when I first listened to it, so I went, yeah, all right, all right. But bullshit, he's doing stuff. The Greenwood Brothers yeah. has some fucking good DNA yes, going musically, without yep.
1: a doubt. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, what some uh, another podcast I would listen to, uh, Cocaine and Rhinestones, calls uh, when uh, siblings are in the same band, they call it blood harmonies. And uh, they just kind of lock in.
0: Pretty good. I love that. Man. You know yeah, what I mean? That's
1: fucking awesome. Yep. Uh, anyways. I love, you know, the chromatic shit that the bass, so, you know, the fills are, it's great. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, it's got a noisy solo, but it fits so nicely, man. And it's got great tone. Really cool. And it's kind of building to something, or it's creating tension for this part that's coming up next, which I like to kind of refer to as uh, the Catholic hymnal breakdown. (laughs) I don't know if you ever had to kneel in church or anything, but... Oh, yes, That's so, so yeah, Catholic, like, man! Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> that next breakdown and the rain down, oh shit! It's beautiful though. It is really beautiful, atmospheric. And they have—I'm sure it's a mellotron and everything—but it really does sound like a choir. It goes through that for a minute, and you kind of get lulled into that. I do—I get lulled into it, and it's it's beautiful, and you kind of sway. And the lyrics are awesome in that part too, man. When he goes. Uh, rain down come on rain down over me everybody's felt like you know the who felt like that they rained down over me yes it did mm-hmm. yeah and so and then but then he goes uh you know the crack of spick skin that's beautiful man that i don't know if it's like a round or anything i don't know what, what the technical term of, of it for me but it doesn't matter it's just fucking gorgeous and then the, uh, the end of that it sounds sarcastic. God loves his children. Yeah, especially the way back. he
0: delivers that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then it goes back into down, 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 down. and it's like shit. Yeah, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and man,
1: I love a great. Oh shit, I love a well-timed pitch, great man. It's a, choo, down, 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 down. Oh man, y'all get a boner. <laughs> on that part of the song. Yeah, man. That's a fucking awesome. Full gripper, man. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. And then, I mean, there's no denying that this is a great song. And, uh, you know, I don't, I wouldn't put it above Bohemian Rhapsody or any of those other songs that it's compared to and some things, but I'm going to say that for the nineties, yeah, I think it might be one. It might be up there, man. I don't
0: know.
1: Uh, I think I agree with you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can see that. Mm
2: -hmm. Ray. Well, for me, this song was like a Bigfoot sighting. I remember like listening to the radio, flipping the radio stations one night and it was, I listened to CCC out of Hartford, which used to be a really great rock and roll station until they changed hands. And uh I think the the DJ must have had to go take a shit or something like that. It's like and here's a real long one. Here's Paranoid Android and it's like what, 6 minutes long something like yeah, yeah. and then he was gone. I remember hearing it and I before that my only exposure to Radiohead had been Creep so I was like what the f-? this is actually really fucking good. Yeah. And then like I of course, you know, I get distracted and I never went back to it this album until like, you know, years later at 41. Yeah. But this is an awesome song. I love the guitar the acoustic guitar intro. It's got some really kind of I've actually tried to figure out how to play it from YouTube videos. It's got some really tricky, twisty little finger twists and uh, use use of like opening string, open strings and like odd picking sequences.
1: Yeah, um, the, the, the time signature is off it, in it some is. parts. Yeah,
2: it yeah. is. It's really strange. Uh, but it starts starts out with like a C minor arpeggio, but the whole thing's based in like G minor, a G minor uh, a key signature. If you want to see something really good, go online. Um, if you have ever seen the band Animals as Leaders. Uh, Tossin Abassi, I think that's how you say his name, and this cellist play like a wicked great version of the song. I mean, it's pretty much note for note, but just the two of them in the video. I recommend anybody per using YouTube to go check that out. Hmm. Um, Yeah, I only recently made the connection to Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy recently because I had audio books. I had had one more book left. and that's been on my bucket list to read for years because I'm a sci-fi geek, but I didn't feel like my sci-fi like, street cred was complete until I've actually <laughs> yeah. had any exposure to this. So now I'm too legit to quit. And as I was listening to Marvin the Paranoid Android, I was like, that's where those motherfuckers got yeah. that from. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Marvin. Marvin's awesome. <laughs> he just like disappears while they go into the, the planet, and he just, he just kind of dips out of the story, and then he comes back in the end. Anyway, I digress. I like the kind of the processed electric guitar part that kind of answers Tom Yor- York's vocal. That,
3: you know, and it kind of goes <laughs> yeah. kind of like that. Yep. I totally
2: yep. fucking butchered that. But uh, Tom's voice is fucking great. It's like kind of got that falsetto. He's got, like, a really cool vocal style with almost a funny vibrato. Like, he doesn't sound like he would dip into it, but it goes in these, like, weird operatic, like, yeah. levels sometimes. And But he doesn't, like, overuse it, which is really kind of cool. And then we get into... Part two with this kind of cool groove and it's got that distorted riff and it's almost kind of I uh, was prescient the world with the word yeah like it makes me think of and I guess it had to do with an incident he was in a bar in L.A. and some woman freaked out when somebody spilled a drink on her and she just got like, completely lost her shit and it just made me like think of like the early aughts and the celebutards with the Lindsay Lohan's <laughs> and the Paris Hilton's and everybody like acting like complete jackasses in public and showing their piss flaps when they got out of the limousine so I'm like, like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> and stuff like that. And that's like, now when I hear the song, that's all I can picture is that era. <laughs> but when the distortion kicks onto that main riff, it's fucking cool as hell. And I'm going to backtrack a little bit too. I always love the part, like, when I am king, you'll be the first against the yeah, wall. You will just, yeah, <laughs> is, like that part. Up to that point, like I'd never pictured like him uttering a, a phrase like that yeah. at all because... I was associated, like Radiohead, it like, you know, you're kind of like, you're more sensitive kind of guys listening to yeah. this shit like that. Yeah. Like, Whoa, yeah. that's, that's... Well, it
1: kind of lets you know he's angry, man. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. But with a sense of humor, which he does not get credit for. This guy's got a wicked sense of humor, be it really dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's dark. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Green would get some kind of noisy, weird guitar solo going on. Kind of Neil young yes, kind of his own thing. Yeah. And um, then we go into part three, <laughs> which is fucking beautiful. Just get the layering of the voices. It's kind of eerie and amazing in my, my way of thinking. It almost reminds me a little bit of the end of A Saucer Full of Secrets, the instrumental section.
1: <laughs> Damn it, you stole my thunder. Oh, dude, sorry. Son totally of a bitch. <laughs>
2: no, think I think it's an was English saving thing. i it
1: for later. <laughs> sorry,
2: man, sorry. <laughs> it's
1: okay, it'll work. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's fucking beautiful, man. The voices kind of weave in and out of each other. The part where it's, like you had mentioned, Sam, they uh, rain down from a great height. I thought he was yeah. saying rain, da- rain down from a drain pipe. So yeah. kind of,
1: <laughs> but this makes a whole yeah. hell of a lot more sense. Yeah. He's got marbles in his mouth sometimes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I like how they keep that going. And then they throw another layer on with it. That's it, sir. You're leaving the crackle I of Love pigs. that. Oh, man. dude, me too. The crackle of pigs. This guy's got great imagery in his lyrics, yeah. without a doubt. And then we get to part four, you get out of that return to part two, and it's just, like just kind of in your face and angry, Yeah. and then it's coolly chaotic, and then it's an odd segue right into the next track, I yeah. think, because that little intro yeah. almost kind of seems like a little bit of an afterthought from that, the
0: prior song. Mm-hmm. So fucking Paranoid Android, if you haven't heard it, people, go out and check this song out. Yeah. The band claim this song is inspired by and is kind of a cross between Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody... The Beatles' Happiness is a Warm Gun and The Pixies, in general. Hmm. Okay. It certainly has the unconventional structure of those first two songs with multiple musical sections that seem completely different from each other kind of stitched together and somehow it fits and sounds really good. The acoustic guitar and woodblock and gyro percussion section is first, is in the key of G minor and sounds pleasant, and Tom reaches for some falsetto vocals, and as the track slowly evolves, it changes key to A minor as guitars come in and the bass sneaks in and plays a melodic line while the song gets more layered and builds slowly until suddenly the noisy guitars slam in and we get Johnny Greenwood's odd solo, which if isolated sounds like he's just dicking around, but within the song structure it adds to the paranoid K chaotic feel. Then out of nowhere, the music drowns out and the tempo slows down as uh, Mellotron vocals (laughs) sound like an inhuman choir, and the acoustic guitar continues along, switching between C minor and D minor with background synthesizer atmospherics as Tom's vocals become pleading and more urgent. When I first heard this, I went, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) It really messed me up. Then the track shifts back to the second section with another loud, choppy guitar solo and all sorts of electronic effects on almost all the instruments. Then it abruptly ends. Dun, dun, dun. What? What? <laughs> it's over now? I know I'm not describing this well, but this is a brilliant, fucked-up patchwork of a song. Nigel Godrich deserves a ton of credit for editing this thing. At one time, it had a long, hammond organ solo that was cut out of it. The lyrics are partly inspired by the book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and the character, Marvin the Paranoid Android, like Ray said, who hates that he's been created by the serious cybernetics corporation. I could be wrong, but to me, this is sort of about rebelling against your captors, your tormentors, your creators, and taking your own life back for yourself. It could also be a statement against corruption, whether it be governmental, religious, or corporate. Whatever it's about, I love this whacked out track. And it was the first single, reaching number three on the UK Singles Chart. The following track is Subterranean Homesick Alien.
3: Up above, aliens hover, making home movies for the folks back home. Of all these weird creatures who lock up their spirits.
0: Sam, your thoughts?
1: Man, I really like this song. It starts out with a really spacey, airy, floaty. You can put any adjective you want with it. It's really stony, though. And I'm sure that I played this song or put this on a mixtape or a CD to try and seduce a young girl who was slightly intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those type of songs, man. And uh, it's this is you know... It's, it's kind of sexy. i just got to say, man. And It's a, a palate cleanser from the last thing we got that was really so intense at the end. And This one kind of goes in, and it's like... I don't know if you sigh when you hear it when it comes on or if it, you take a breath. I don't know, man, but it's a relief almost. And uh, I think it's well-placed. These guys do such a great job of with their melody, man. They, they're masters of melody. They will put a melody... With uh, one guitar and then sing something that complements that melody and then play a counter over here with the other guitar. And they do this here. These sweeping bends and all these kind of crazy effects are just beautiful, man. And I'm a fan of of bands that use crazy effects, you know, like Tool and Pink Floyd, you know, Radarhead. These, I I don't know why, but I love bands that just kind of explore what they can do with these sounds. But these guys are masters with this. And the lyrics, my favorite part of the lyrics is uptight, you know when he screams uptight and uh it's just really tasty, man. And they they do this uh while that's going on, they do this like it's a major scale and you know I can I can see it in my mind but I can't I don't know how it fits in the song so well, but it's great. It goes down and 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 down. Oh yeah. I like that part too in the chorus. Oh man. Yeah, yeah the that's chorus. Mint. that part. That is brilliant, masterful songwriting, and uh, I, I love it. And it's a cool subject for a song, too, right? Um, it's like he's trying, he's, he's singing about, you know, wanting to get abducted by aliens so he'd have a cool story to tell his friends, <laughs> <laughs> but they won't believe him. And so what the hell, you know? So and, uh, I think that's just really cool, and uh, it fits the time. It's well-placed in the album because the a pallet from that intense shit from before. So I love it. I love this song.
2: Alright. Ray. Well, yeah, I mean you do get that little intro, that kind of kooky guitar intro. It definitely kinda of hints a little bit at what you just had. It doesn't really doesn't really preview what it's about to come in, but it does kind of kinda of, it is it bridges the gap between the two songs. But I agree with you, Sam. This is a palette cleanser. Um I actually just love the shit out of the layers of guitar between O'Brien and Greenwood on this track. It's got a really kinda of, it's got a cool kind of a chord progression. And they got electric piano, and I'm a sucker for electric piano. Oh yeah! And they fucking use it. <laughs> yeah, we love that on this podcast.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely.
2: It's quite tastefully used in this
0: part. More than hookers? Part. Um, I might have to well, say
2: more. Well, yeah.
0: Okay. How about if we play a little electric piano for the hookers?
2: Oh yeah! There now we go. got it. Now we there got you it. Go. That might get you a cut rate.
0: Yes. <laughs> that might
2: get you around the world, depending on how good the uh, <laughs> p- the electric piano player is. How good a pianist he is. <laughs> But Sam, you took the words right out of my mouth for that da 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 in the chorus part. These guys have like so many melodies going on within each one of these little song structures they got. They could be like little songs in and them to themselves, which they I could. think is dope as fuck. And let's be honest, who hasn't wanted to be abducted by aliens <laughs> at some point in their life? Just so long as you can avoid the anal probing. Tom doesn't mention that
1: because Tom doesn't want to get it probed. Some guys like that shit though.
2: Well, this yeah. is true. Hey, you know what? It's never too consenting adults. God bless you. You know. But, uh, yeah. Or consenting alien and adult. You know? Yeah, this is true, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever would have thought Tom York was like the Barry White of his generation? <laughs> 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 seductive, the seductive crooning of Tom York. <laughs> but hey, you know what? I, maybe, maybe I would have
0: gotten laid more if I had played more Tom York to, with women. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> The title is obviously taken from Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues, though it sounds nothing like it. There's lots of pretty organ and guitar and Fender Rhodes piano all consumed in the swirl of reverb that makes this song feel like it's floating on air. The rhythm section keeps it tethered to the ground, though. Colin again keeps it melodic and tuneful on bass, and Phil's drums keep a steady yet off-kilter rhythm. The guitars and electronic effects fade in and out, and along with the phased and echoed keyboards give a sci-fi vibe that serve the song's subject matter. Tom does a great job communicating the despondency of the narrator, who's a misfit and feels like he doesn't belong in his hometown, and he wishes he could be abducted by aliens from outer space and see humanity as they do, as subjects for a home movie, like a documentary, and they're all just uptight. But the narrator also knows that even if that happened to him, no one would believe him if he told them, so he'd just go back to his isolation, but in a better place for having had the experience. I just like to close my eyes and float along with the music, imagining I'm on that ship with Tom. It sounds cool. Oh, yeah. The next track is Exit Music for a Film.
3: Back and get drunk. Before your father is a before oh hell breaks loose
0: Sam what do you think
1: man this song um, makes me think about a mother is trying to leave her abusive husband with the kids in the middle of the night. I mean, it sounds kind of sounds like a movie, like for a film. It's, it's on the nose a little bit, but I think it's purposefully on the nose. It's powerful. This song is really, I think it's Johnny Greenwood that I think he like writes film scores. He does. Yeah. Okay.
2: Like Darren Aronofsky films or one of those? No, it's um, the, guy did, uh, the guy who did The Boogie Nights.
3: John oh, yeah. Paul Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, he does a lot of Anderson. Oh, Paul, yeah. Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson.
1: Yeah, great. No, he's got great movies. Anyways, the song you know, creates a picture in your head, I mean, even if you're not trying. I mean, you hear like a jet taking off the beginning, and it's, the, it's got the Mellotron with the vocal, vocal Mellotron, and it gives you a picture. And this song... Ray stole my thunder earlier with a Pink Floyd reference because I thought that was my superpower. <laughs> but this song sounds totally like Pink Floyd's Adam Hart mother. I don't oh. know if you guys have heard that, right? but there's a lot of Mellotron vocals going on, and they rip this one off, this part off here, but it's beautiful the way they use it. And I don't, I'm not mad at them. <laughs> you know, it's, like I said, it's about a mother leaving leave with her kids, and they're, they're scared. You can tell that they're scared. There's fear in the frickin' song, man. I mean, you're afraid for the kids that are don't know what the fuck's going on, and their mother is telling them, "Okay, you, be, you need to be quiet and get your shit. Come on, let's we're leaving." And then I and she tells them, "I can't do this alone." That's powerful, man. And then a few measures later, uh, the fuzz bass and mellotron comes in, and holy shit, dude. It slams with the bass and drums, the whole band, an emotional uh, outburst. I guess you could say. Um, and when he says, "Now we are one in everlasting peace," you know, and it's not peace like a religious sense. It's peace to get away from the abuse. And they're they're telling their abuser that we hope that you choke. It's powerful, man, and it. Uh, First few times I heard it, I you know it's like oh, I really like this song and everything. But man, there's a few times that I've heard this song and it really brought me to tears. This is a great song, but hey, it's not for everybody, dude. Some some people might like hear this song and say, fuck this," and I get it, I get it. You know, it's not for everybody. But uh, I really have a, a, a immense respect for it. I think it's Johnny Greenwood that had a big hand in this that song. But that's it's great. I love it,
2: Ray. Well, man, I, you just pretty much summed up a lot of what I feel about this song. I just think it's just beautifully arranged. Um, I saw this Japanese MTV documentary on uh, Radiohead this afternoon because I was like, I'm going to try things different. I'm actually going to research like, what they were thinking at the time and yeah. then put the album out. So I watched this thing, and they did an interview with Johnny. He said that's what, was, what he still likes about making music. Is it playing live or being in the studio? And he's like, as far as being in the studio, he likes it when you hear something that you know is going to be great. But you don't know what your part is gonna be yet. Yeah. And so what happened was um Tom actually came in with the basic chord structure and the lyrics for it, just as, as this nugget. And then they all kind of built on it until the end the end result that you have. I love the shit. Tom York's vocals on this are awesome. And his voice just sounds kinda of tired and fragile. And I think that kinda of goes along with that with that same kind of secretive kinda of we have to keep quiet thing that you were talking about, Sam. It definitely adds to the effect on that. What's really cool is uh in the chord progression, in the verse section, they use something called a, Bic- a Picardi third. But the song is in a minor key, right? But there's a part where the melody develops where it goes to like I made the second above, and then it ends on a major key. It changes so keys major from major key, to okay. minor to major on that. That's an old like classical Bach technique. He would do that at the end of like his chorale pieces all the time. And they use that in this song, which kinda of shows that these guys were not schmohawks. Yeah. They knew what the fuck that they were doing and how to like yeah, they did. how to like tweak a song and, and and make it unique. And they did to, to great effect on this part. And you guys said it was a Mellotron. See, I didn't know that. I thought it was like a weird vocoder effect or something like that <laughs> on like some background here. But Well, I'm you like, can
1: get a close sound with that, yeah. Probably,
2: but yeah. I'm, I'm, my guess is you guys are probably pretty you know, sure it's Mellotron. It's just, yeah, it's definitely a Mellotron. And I love that, especially in the breathe, keep breathing part yeah. in the background. It's fucking oh, beautiful, man. Yes. And there's this part where they go back to the verse section again. There's like a weird, trippy, it sounds like a crowd in an airport kind of a noise like that. Yes. That, that's yeah. what I got out of it. It just sounds creepy. It's also like those in the odd, late 90s when you'd sell like a, a dream sequence or you'd see like a like a haunted se- sequence like in uh, Stir of Echoes where things are like going kind of backwards and people are kind of moving all harky-jerky. Yeah. That's what it kind of reminds me of. Yeah. Then we got like that weird kind of dis- fuzzed out distorted bass and drums kicking in at the 250 mark and that high-end trebly guitar part in the background. The song just kind of builds tension all the way through, but this is like the climax. This right. is like the fucking... This is, like, if it was a following a story arc, this is the climax of the story, and then we get to the Danoman, And um, and the, the way they do that is they slowly peel away the layers that you hear as they're going down and decrescendo. So yeah. finally, we, we're left, there's Tom and the acoustic guitar with We Hope That You Choke. Which I just think, the way, because I didn't really know much about the lyrics, but whenever I heard that, like, as compared to the rest of the song, it just sounded funny to me for some reason. It's like, yeah. out of somewhere it, it just... I thought it was humorous, like (laughs) a little bit sneering humorous, I'll give it at that. But that just kind of, once again, it kind of pokes that Tom York has got an interesting sense of humor. Yeah. So that's what I got. This is a fucking great song, man. Yeah.
0: So the film in question from the title is the 1996 film Romeo Plus Juliet, and the director Baz Luhrmann asked Radiohead to contribute a track for the end credits So they took this song, and actually, if you watch that movie, this does play in the end credits. But Radiohead didn't allow it on the soundtrack album. They wanted to keep it for themselves for OK Computer. The acoustic guitar is soft and lilting. Tom's voice is flat and nearly devoid of emotion as he sings the plaintive melody. And later, the song gains an ominous Mellotron choir as Tom's voice begins to rise as if he's coming to realize the finality of the situation. Then the drums and a heavily fuzzed-out bass enter, and at this point, Tom is at the end of his rope. The reality of it all is hitting him. He's wailing in despair until he finally gives up and accepts his fate, his voice little more than an anguished sputter. at the end. There have been many excellent songs throughout history written about suicide, but I gotta tell you, this is one of the most bone-chilling tunes I've ever heard. It cuts me to the core, and it touches a place deep inside me where I eternally hurt. If this sounds over dramatic, well, maybe it is. But to me, that's the power of music. Who hasn't had a time in their lives when it seems like all hope is lost and there's only one exit left? Today, we escape. We escape. The following track is Let Down. How about this? This is my favorite song on the
1: album, by not by far, but definitely my favorite song. And I think it's because it has a familiar melody. For some reason, this melody for this song—maybe is... it's in a bunch of other songs, or maybe it's in some kind of classical, you know, standard that everybody has heard. And I, I, but I can't place it. But it feels like it's a com- it's comfortable, I guess, and it relaxes me. And after that last fucking song, it's nice. It kind of <laughs> relaxes me after that shit. Cause damn it, you get a <laughs> fucking emotional breakdown. And then uh, okay, the first verse is, is really smooth. He's singing the basic melody. It's, it's already beautiful. And the second verse, he's kind of ups up on the scale. You know, he kind of raises up. You know what I'm talking about, Ray? Mm-hmm. He like raises. Uh, and singing the next part of the script and it's, it's freaking beautiful and then um, i'm uh intrigued by the lyrics man because it, it goes <laughs> one day i'm gonna grow wings a chemical reaction hysterical and useless the get hysterical and let down <laughs> ah, and hanging around and it's so great how those guys I don't know they, they they manipulate me I guess with this song and and others on on this album but uh, I'm like into what they're saying and then they they draw me in and draw me in and then they sit me down <laughs> when they go <laughs> and uh, no, it's it's brilliant man and those guys are all doing their one part there's nothing there's not one instrument really that is uh, out front you know maybe the lyrics maybe the singers out front this a is a bit,
0: band mm-hmm. yeah man yeah.
1: Everybody's got their part. Yes. And everybody's got their uh, their own thing to do. And if and it wasn't there, you wouldn't miss oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yes. Of course. There's five of them, man, and they're all fucking brilliant. Every damn one of them, it's one of the, they're more, they're, what's the old saying? More than some of their parts. yeah, Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yes. This third verse, after it's been building through this whole thing, it just builds and builds and, and it's to the glorious, freaking, to where the backing vocals, and the lead vocals and all the instruments are together and perfect the way to shindo. describe
0: it Sam glorious it's awesome mm-hmm. and there's
1: polyrhythms going in there too man yeah
0: definitely.
1: but they end up on 13 wherever the hell they're going if you found 7 and 6 or 4 4 4 and 1 then you got 13 right you know what I mean yeah mm-hmm. so okay all of them are doing something different for one part right there which I find like I didn't even recognize it until I started listening to it again you know this week and I was like holy shit those guys are all doing something different, and I thought it was fucking brilliant again. And this is my favorite song on this record, man. i really, really love this album. So that's all. All right,
2: <laughs> Ray, dude, fucking, I preach. I get it. <laughs> yeah, man. I fucking, I love this song to fucking pieces. I probably, if if it's not my favorite, it's one of my top favorites on this. The yeah. on this album. Um, it starts out with this really kind of two beautifully arpeggiated guitar figures between Johnny Johnny Greenwood and Ed O'Brien. Um, like you can hear this like I've looked it up online there's like one guy's kind of playing up a higher little voice but it doesn't come into like the initial guitar figure that comes in and that's freaking gorgeous as yes. like hell how- and Tom York's vocal melody on the over the top laid over the top of that. I think Sam, I I been trying to figure out too. It's like what is it about his melodies that makes this thing sound so familiar? I think it's because he's not like making really wild leaps or anything like that. It's kind of following a a, a pattern downward, really. It leaps up a little bit and goes down. Leaps yeah. up a little bit and goes down, which kind of like lulls you in. I think it makes like sense. a
0: rolling hill or yeah. a wave. Or, yeah. yeah, it does. That, I think all all the great. That's nice way to put it. Yeah.
2: yeah, all the great like music that's been written in Western music over like, the last 400, 500 years has like. Like a melody that kind of does that—it it lulls you nicely. And without, I think we start getting more leapy as we get into the Romantic period. Yeah, and all these other sure, stuff. yeah. But no, this is just a great traditional melody pattern. Um, when we get to the chorus; you got great vocal harmonies on the chorus, which is answered by that dan, which I'll get back to in a little bit later. And I'm gonna go—I'm gonna steal a page from Bobby Moynihan on Saturday Night Live and pull the drunk uncle. <laughs> Nobody knows how to write a great turn, great turnaround anymore. And these guys actually do write a great turnaround. Yeah, that, that da, 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 da It's really fucking catchy, isn't yes, it? Is. And it's yeah. it's not cliched. Yeah. No, it's, not, it's just it's just fucking perfect. Yes. You know? Nowadays, people just want to do a bass drop.
0: Yeah, you know? Simple, no, they,
2: you know, there's some stupid bullshit. Like people need to take the time to actually write an interesting turnaround. Yes. And, and they did, and fucking my hats off to the whole band for that, yes. especially on this song. After we go through the second chorus, um, we get kind of the, this solo guitar break, and then the band kind of comes back in with like, these weird guitar noodlings, which Sam, you mentioned. They kind of like, it's almost like they take little microcosms of the other parts of the song. Like, yes. Yeah, and they put that in there, complete with like weird-ass Alpha Flight 80s computer noise. Beep, 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 Up in the background. And then we get to the third chorus where Tom York's vocals just like rip. Like, at the end of the song, it just, yeah. like, he yeah. goes for the fucking gusto, yeah. and it just sounds... Yeah, he goes for it. He totally does, and he wins, too. Yes. That's a, that's a great... He, it's not a fault. It's not a <laughs> fail wins. by any means. It just nails it. And then, once again, we go out in those weird kind of computer bleeps at the yeah. end, because... And I say Alpha Flight, which I think was actually a Marvel comic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah but it was. <laughs> there's also this thing my my brother had. It was, like, a, a toy space shuttle that took, like, a D-sized battery, and then you hit these three buttons on it, it had sound effects, and one of
0: them
2: was like <laughs> <terrible>. <laughs> Yeah, you know that
0: Yeah, we had that. Every time I
2: hear that, I picture my brother's little fucking toy spaceship. What does it do? And then there was the
0: space notes though. Like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you probably and it, had one of those in the studio <laughs> <laughs> mate who went to toys r us <laughs> that's talent
2: <laughs> yeah no.
1: At your right
2: <laughs> <is>.
0: <laughs> holy shit balls batman do i love this song There are multiple layered electric guitars on this song playing shimmering and jingling arpeggios with an electric piano along with strummed acoustic guitar underneath and it almost makes me imagine being enveloped in a waterfall of sound. The rhythm section again anchors this track and the rhythm section is the key to this track. It doesn't let it float away. It's holding everything together. Phil's drums hold this thing down with an awesome syncopated beat. That chorus is a massive earworm, and it just thrums in my head long after the song is over. Again, this shows what an effective singer and melodicist Tom York is. His voice quivers quietly one moment and then soars the next. His sense of dramatic timing is impeccable. The lyrics reveal a fear of being trapped, stuck inside a bubble, watching life passing by, being emotionally disconnected and not allowing sentimentality to infect your way of thinking. In a lot of ways, this is a Generation X theme song. After the second chorus, there's a slow wind down, and I don't want this track to end, but it sounds like it is. I just want it to keep going. Oh, shit, the drums are pounding that fucking beat again. They're bringing us back, and yes, we get a final (laughs) verse and chorus. That gives me that elated feeling oh shit we're doing this again yeah yep. this time the music elevates the tension further it takes us even higher tom's vocals are interplaying including a falsetto line and by the end of the last chorus i'm satisfied radiohead just manipulated the shit out of me and i don't care it's a fucking fantastic track mm-hmm. the next track is karma police Sam, how about this? I like
1: this song. It's a great song. I think the video is really great. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's pretty cool, man. It's not like a Tarantino-style thing, but maybe a David Lynch-style video to where there's a twist at the end. Ah, that's nice. Anyways, this is one of the uh, singles off the record, and I like it. It's, it's great. You know, It's a good song. And uh, I like the part where it says, you know, this is what you get when you mess with us. And that's, you know, kind of punk rock, you know, subtle punk rock. But I really like the second part of the song when it goes for a minute there. I lost myself. Uh, It gets more atmospheric and it kind of fits more into what we were hearing earlier. This is not my favorite song on the record, but uh, uh, I like the slide guitar. I think it's a slide guitar that they have a bunch of uh, delay and curve on it kind of sounds like the bottle of love or maybe dancing days yeah dancing days kind no, of oh yeah, yeah i think yeah. that's beautiful I, I really like the lyrics but the song is I would never skip it but it's not one of my favorites i, I like it though all right ray
2: as my exposure to this one is this is probably the second song from this album that i was exposed to mostly because i spent a lot of time at the waitley diner which is an overnight station you could it's like a diner but you could actually still smoke in there at the time and so i think like, have my coffee and eggs and have a cigarette and i'd be pretty happy yeah <laughs> but they, this song was like playing for at least a couple of years and i think it's still in like those, one of those tiny little jukeboxes you can find it yeah from, yeah which is pretty awesome but um it starts with kind of a mournful sounding piano and an acoustic guitar and the piano part it's almost kind of harkens back to classic rock stuff to me like almost like made me think of like Derek and the dominoes or mm-hmm. like you know a lot of like those 60s and 70s kind of things in there which is kind of cool you know you know i don't really think of classic rock when i think of radiohead but i think that those elements are definitely there like, yes. as far as like the beatles and pink floyd i don't right. i don't hear zeppelin or or you right. know anything along those lines but you know i do hear the other the other stuff the other british examples for sure Mostly, I think the song is just funny as fuck when you listen to these lyrics. I mean, the guy who talks in maths and who buzzes like a refrigerator—it sounds like a detuned no, radio. I like that part. And then they got the bitch with the Hitler hairdo. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just funny as hell. And then, like once again, this is what you get when you mess with us. I yeah. love that part, especially <laughs> in the high pitched whoo ooh, ooh, yeah. in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's just, there's this song that's rife with punchlines, like, and, and we're still on the payroll, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> <you know? laughs> Which I thought was great because, like, at the time, and I think I mentioned this during the Big Wreck show, we were still in that area of my mom and dad got divorced and my dad's an alcoholic and doesn't pay attention to me, which was all over the fucking airways back then. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just like everybody was doing their therapy in songs, <laughs> which is great about music. You can do that. But then again, it gets to be a little bit like an awkward conversation at some party that you go to and you're like, you know, like, I don't want to know your life story anymore, yeah. you know? But these guys are like, no, we're going to have a little bit of fun. So I think that's fucking funny as shit. But the part with... Um for a minute there, I lost myself. I really love that part. That part is aces, and I got to give my fucking hats off to fucking yep. Colin, Colin Greenwood. Green that the bass lines in that it's just walking moving bass all lines. over yep. It just it it takes the song, it grabs it by the collar, and it drags. Yes, it's like do 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 do. It's just yep. freaking yep. awesome. Yes, and even that like grating computer drone. That <laughs> I fucking
0: love the shit out of that too, yep. man. So yep. man, if you're gonna follow up a great song like you Light know what down, that is, that's Ed O'Brien's guitar. No shit? Yeah. Oh. And, and when you watch him live, even he bends it. It's some type of gizmo that he has on yeah. his guitar that he turns it down. Oh, that And it no makes that weird shit, shit. yeah. I wonder yeah. if he's doing the Dave Navarro trick by putting a vibrator over the pickups. I don't know. Man. Just when I think the last track is a highlight, we go right into this. It starts with that piano and acoustic guitar playing a passage that was nicked from the Beatles' Sexy Sadie. And then the rhythm section brings a mid-tempo groove, and Tom sings about having the karma police arrest a man and a girl for things he doesn't like because they annoy him. He's unjustly criticizing others. Then the rhythm section drops back out, and Tom begins to realize that he's part of the problem. This is what you'll get when you mess with us. And I love the piano in that. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And then the rhythm section returns, and after a run through the second verse and chorus, in the bridge section, Tom recognizes his own hypocrisy and calms down. For a minute there, I lost myself. I lose myself when I listen to this. Like we were saying, Colin's walking bass during this section is the shit. The melodies in this song are catchy as swine flu, and the background vocals slash mellotron vocals are extremely memorable all over this song, though they seem faded to the background. All right, do you recognize where this is? one of them oh no shit and then the next one is for here's the next one Ooh, can't do it, it's really high you were you were imitating that before this is what you' get yes <laughs> and then for a minute there the second time yeah ooh, oh yeah yeah it's a low one yeah but it's there and it, if, if it wasn't there you'd notice it oh, and then shit. the last one is, <laughs> which is it's not just vocals but that's part of it too mm-hmm. the background vocals are a highlight on this. This is one of the simpler arrangements on the album, but it's so fucking good. This was the second single that reached number eight on the UK singles chart. The next track is Fitter Happier.
3: Happier, more productive, comfortable, not drinking too much, regular exercise at the gym, three days a week, getting on better with your associate employee contemporaries, at ease, eating well, no more microwave dinners and saturated fats, a patient better driver, a safer car, baby smiling in backseat, sleeping well, no bad dreams, no paranoia, careful to all animals, never watching spiders, don't plug hole. keep in contact with old friends.
0: Sam, what
1: do you think? I, I love this because it's hilarious. Um, it's nonsense, and uh, I kind of like nonsense sometimes. That's about it. That's all I have to say about this. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know why it's here or what the purpose of it is. I, I like it, and I'll, sometimes I I'll skip it, but sometimes I don't. And uh, so Stephen Hawking, you know, singing the lead, <laughs> and uh, with all his, uh, you know, scientific buddies doing the uh, scary music behind him. Um, Vincent Price is there playing the glockenspiel <laughs> I don't know who's on this thing man. but uh, it's strange I, I think it's kind of funny but uh, I'm kind of over it huh? <laughs> Ray
0: I fucking love this man I'm
1: not gonna, and
2: for a couple different reasons for a really superficial reason because it annoys the shit out of my wife when I play in the car she's like Oh my god! I hate it. It's just they just freaking noises. They freak me out. I don't like that, <laughs> and, which makes me crank it up even more. Which is just, stop! And, and anybody who's been married for a period of time that knows that annoying your spouse is like the fucking greatest sport in the planet sometimes. And I and, and I am like the fucking Hakeem Elijah on of annoying my wife. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah. No. <laughs> but this what I like. I like it because okay, we got this. this We got the robot vocals going on here, but it's cause they talk about all the bullshit that gets shoved down our throats on a daily basis of things we should be doing mixed. It's like a mixture of advice and some weird kind of ideal that we kind of hold ourselves to like going to the gym three times a day. Yes. Getting along better with your associate contemporaries. (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> we'll frequently check credit at Moral Bank, you know, yes. hole in the wall, all that shit. It's just kind of funny. And you got those weird, freaky pianos and strings in the background. And it's not like there's a loop of a weird TV show being played in the background, too. Section 917, <laughs> proceed, pr- follow procedure, something like that. And one of the lines that always kind of stuck with me, every time we have a snow or sleet, It's like, no longer empty and frantic, like a cat, tied to a stick that's driven into frozen winter shit. Every time I'm fucking shoveling my driveway in the snow, I'm like, frozen winter shit, man, somewhere this cat's going to be around here somewhere. (laughs) But also, why also, like, because I do like random, weird, noisy, atonal shit. That's the other reason I like this song. And it also, once again, I know it sounds totally redundant, but, uh... There's some weird saucer full of secrets kind of sound effects going on in the background. That
1: oh, thing in yeah, the background. Yeah. That's
2: right out of that fucking song, man. Yep. So yeah, dude, I I love the shit out of this track.
0: <laughs> Fitter, happier, more productive, comfortable, not drinking too much, regular oh, wow. exercise at the gym three days a week. A patient better driver. Sleeping well. No bad dreams, no paranoia, (laughs) computerized voice named Fred, from a 1990s era Macintosh computer, avant-garde piano, strange noises, not a real song, stupid, (laughs) unnecessary, okay computer, I get it, ha ha ha, Aaron's stinky stinker.
2: Oh damn! <laughs> I tried to get what more. Kind of fart was that. I, I wanted to make a fart eh, like that, like the old Atari twenty-six hundred. Kind of <laughs> well, all right, here, edit this one into there.
1: That was an eight-bit fart, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was you. You got me there, Eric.
0: Right? Well played, sir. By the way, Yay. yeah, yeah, that was clever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the following track is electioneering. Sam, what do you say? Hey, a rock song. Yeah. <laughs> cool
1: guitar tones. Awesome. <laughs> some political satire. Well, yeah. we was starving for that, apparently. But it, uh, look, I'll, I dig this song. It's a solid rocker. And I like the way the chorus goes, you move go forward, i go back, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's great, man. And it's uh, the, those guys get to uh, blow off some steam a little bit. And it's a, another palate cleanser which is a weird palate cleanser to me, but in the album, after that shit we heard before, (laughs) you know, electioneering, awesome. And uh, I'm understanding what you guys said before about uh, those guys spending a lot of time on the sequencing because I would have hated that song even more, you know, if this song wasn't after. I kind of sit through that shit because I know electioneering is, if electioneering was before you know, fitter-happier, I would have skipped the middle of the fucking album. <laughs> but, uh, I, hey, I really like this song, man. I like how they jam on it. It's got great guitar tones. It's got a, a good little solo in there. I really dig it, man. Good song.
2: All right. Ray. Well, when Hail to the Thief came out, which is the one that came after OK Computer, I read the Rolling Stone review of it. And um, the guy in the Rolling Stone article, no bullshit, said... Something about the the, the, sto- the album going back to guitars and having a Stonesy swagger. And when I read that, I was like, "I don't think the fucking Rolling Stones and Radiohead sound whatsoever like. So this exactly. guy was yeah. obviously on a ten-day crack binge when I he guess. wrote the review. But you know what? I'll tell you what. When I heard this song, I could kind of see a little bit when the rhythm guitar kicks in. It's almost got like kind of a Keith Richardsy kind of a sw- swagger to it. as as swaggery as a bunch of you know guys like from this genre music can have yeah. you know
1: I mean I, well, I bet it, these guys were influenced by the Oh with for that, sure
2: like I said I definitely the, part of the Britpop canon you know or the rock canon they're influenced
0: can. by classic rock oh
2: yeah, yeah bands yeah. but yeah. yeah but this the, I think the fucking riff is awesome and I like how they layer that one riff with that really kind of like quasi distorted guitar lead kind of playing off of that riff so there's really good guitar interplay in there you got that cowbell. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is like the cowbell of all cowbells. <laughs> um, and like I said, the main riff is solid and the chorus is just fucking awesome. Like you had mentioned, Sam, with the you go backwards, I go forward, all that shit there. It just fucking kicks all types of ass. All right, but here's what's going to come out of the left field a little bit. Does anybody else think of Lunatic Fringe when you hear the intro? That.
0: Oh, wow. No, I never made that connection. <laughs> I, 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 really never did, I do now that you said that. yes. Like every
2: time I heard that, I was like.
0: Ba-ding- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead of ba-dang-dang-dang-dang-dang. you're right.
3: Yeah. No, you're out there.
2: Oh, well, but yeah, but this song is ten times better than Lunatic Fringe. So, um,
1: hey, man, I love this. Song. I yeah, <laughs> I love Lunatic <laughs> Fringe.
2: Yeah. So they're, they're, that's right. It's a and Sam, you're right. It is a palate cleanser. Right? It's a definite directional change. And they got to have fun. They're rocking out a
0: little bit. So yeah. more power to them. This is the hardest rocker on the record, and it makes me think of heavier REM with the distorted, jangling guitars, swinging drums with cowbell, and the fluid bass line. Tom's vocals are grittier. He growls, well, he growls about as well as he's capable of. Ed O'Brien holds down the rhythm guitar while Johnny solos chaotically, his guitar blaring with its distortion. The lyrics are overtly political. Tom was inspired by reading some of Noam Chomsky's work, and he's in the guise of a politician up for election. He will say anything to get your vote. And it also comments on wealth inequality and the rich getting richer while holding down the poor, referencing IMF loans to third world countries and serving their own self-interests. I read somewhere that Tom wasn't fond of this song, and that's probably because sonically it's the closest to earlier radio ahead, even though it still has plenty of ambient electronic effects on it. I really do dig this as a change of pace. The next track is Climbing Up the Walls. Sam, what's this thing make you do? makes me fear.
1: There is fear in this song. It sounds like a horror movie, man, when it starts off. It's a horror movie sound, just like Jason and Freddie, you know, and Michael Myers. It's all this kind of stuff going on, right? But then, uh, is it Philip Selway, the drummer? Yes, mm-hmm. Okay, he has uh, the snare drum that Lars used on St. Anger.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it works better. Yeah, it yeah works he uses it
1: way. way better. Yes, yeah. uh, This song is really creepy in a good way, man. It emotes fear, and it, and it genuinely could make you afraid, man. If it was uh, in a, you know, a horror movie, you know, the, the Time to where you see the killer that's outside, and uh, he's coming after you because he thinks you're there. This is that kind of song, man, and it's powerful because of that. I think they they knew that they had something to really this song, too, because uh, they kind of keep you know pushing on that with the strings at the end of the song, and you know, there's climbing screens, and there's screams at the end of the song. You know, close it out, they're they're screaming their heads off, and I think it's kind of a horror movie thing. I don't know if that's uh, just me or if it's I mean, other people, but really love this song, man. The lyrics are freaking creepy, too. It's got a crazy cool solo that is one of those noisy 90s solos, but it fits so well. I will play this song for anybody and say, like, hey, what's Radiohead? I'll play this song for them.
0: <laughs> That'll freak them
2: out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ray. I agree, man. There is some weird fucking X-Files shit going on in this song, (laughs) and I fucking love the ever-loving shit out of this one. It's almost got like a creepy Marilyn Manson vibe, like like, circa Antichrist Superstar kind of going on in the background, and I'm a huge fan of that album, too. I like the weird, skittering, kind of noisy intro, and like Sam, you nailed it. The snare sounds like it's like, well, you said Lars Lauer because it's saying anger stuff, but to me it sounds like it's being played almost at a tunnel, but like in a studio next door to wherever they're
1: recording. I don't think yeah, it's, in... it's... it's far away.
2: Yeah, there's, like, I don't know if it's distant miking or, like, like, Paige used to do, but uh, I love it. You got that weird kind of synth bass, that... Yes. Yeah. It's, like, swells with these weird, odd noises in the background. And the chorus, I think, I... I mean, the lyrics are weird, but the chorus I love, because I, I always like that Motown song, I'll be there. <laughs> but this is, like, the complete opposite. This is, like, this is not a nurturing Carrie song. This is, like, I'll be there. Um, because the guy in this song is not going to nurture or comfort you. <laughs> no. He's no, like fucking, He's like your basic neuroses crawling out of your fucking skull and like dragging you down every time, or he's a serial killer. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Either way, the uh, person in this song whose reflection you see looking back at you in the basement is not a good dude. Even though he says he's your friend,
0: he's not your <laughs> yeah. friend, so don't not fucking trust friend.
2: him. No. <laughs> but going back to the headphones, I'll tell you what. When I first – like, and I've listened to this song a ton – ton over the last five years but once i put the headphones on i noticed there's some fucking cool roger o'donnell like synth strings in the background yes
0: and that's like right out of the cure. No, they're, they're real strings oh those
2: are real strings yes well, they, oh they sound really? like fucking roger o'donnell's fucking synth ones and yeah, that's they're like, real strings and i'm a huge cure fan so like i was like whoa man these guys are taking some shit out of the cures page so i'm fucking doubly down with this song now but i like the fact that it's real strings too this one and Letdown are one of my favorites on this fucking album. I, I can't tell you how many I have on this album, but this is like in the upper echelon yeah. of ones I love on this album.
0: Well, like we were saying, this song is creepy as fuck with a constant distorted buzz, the clanging drums, and Tom's distorted vocals making me think of being closed in, almost claustrophobic. There are ambient noises that sound like metallic crickets, and the bass has this fuzzy, electronic, wavy effect on it. There are strings composed by Johnny Greenwood and inspired by modern classical composer Christoph Penderecki's Threnody to the Victims of Hiroshima, which add to the eeriness of the track. Supposedly, the lyrics deal with an escaped mental patient who turns violent and becomes a serial killer. Tom's vocals are ghostly and processed, and there's a lower-pitched voice mixed in the chorus that's unsettling, and he rips out a hell of a scream at the end. It is weird, but it is cool. The following track is No Surprises. Sam, surprise us. <laughs>
1: I can't surprise you
0: two. Man. I mean, <laughs> you guys
1: have seen it all. <laughs> We're men of the world. I do want to ask you a question, though, Ray. Uh, this song has sounds like there's it's in a major key, but there's some tension there. Is there a seventh in there? I mean, are they playing like a G7? But you know, They
2: might be. Like, I mean, I... I don't know. They could. That, I'm sure the seven could be in there somewhere. I just I haven't like sat down and analyzed it too deep. But yeah, seven, well, you're doing, probably right.
1: It said I don't know. They, they're like leaving a note available. You know, they're mm-hmm. putting a note in here there, and then, so this note is available for later in the song. Um, the song is has it sounds happy, but it's got some a little tension with the music coming on, and it's it's not depressing. There's a Glockenspiel. Yes. Hello, October all over Fest. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Glockenspiel. Yeah. Which is German. Jawohl. <laughs> and the, the lyrics are fucking horrible. They're depressing. <laughs> I love that, though, man. It, just, it creates that contrast. You know, you, you don't really find it in, in many songs at all. I mean, there's a few out there, but, you know, when you find that contrast to where, you know, I think uh, uh, Tom Waits does it a couple of times. He has a, a happy melody, but a really fucked up lyric. Bruce Springsteen does that a
0: lot too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, yes. The
1: Pixies do it. Um, anyways, I think that's freaking brilliant, man. Uh, the last verse with the backing vocals is, as Ray would say, the tits. <laughs> I really, uh, the way they build, they're really, they're masters of this too. Um, they build these songs, they construct them, they layer and layer and layer. And I don't, know if it's, you know, you know, they're writing masterpiece after masterpiece, in my opinion, on this album. And this is one of them. They include the glockenspiel. <laughs> yep. And make it work. What, mm-hmm. other, what other great songs do you know that includes the glockenspiel that you can actually hear in the frickin' song?
0: Girls by the Beastie Boys. Born to Run. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. it's kind of a well-known song
1: (laughs) the glockenspiel is not a well-known instrument sir
2: (laughs) (laughs) but it reached a new zenith with this song
1: (laughs) i love this song man
2: i love it all right ray i'm gonna dip into like my third grade syntax and say that this might be the most perfectest song ever. <laughs> perfectest. <laughs> the most perfectest. perfectest. Uh, wow, man, I fucking love this one. You got that great intro guitar figure with the glockenspiel and the bass. Uh, as far as intros go, this is probably one of my favorite fucking Radiohead intros to a song. It just, it just totally like gets stuck in your head. And I love it when the drums come in with the acoustic guitar in the background. And I think we've all kind of touched on this. And like, Sam, you, you definitely brought it home. And the, you, what you did with this song, they layer. These yes. motherfuckers layer like motherfuckers.
0: The shit out of all these tracks. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, they build, and they build and take away. And add. it's like a fucking musical Jenga piece. <laughs> um, That's nice. <laughs> I love that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And can I just kind of say this? Tom York writes great vocal melodies and you can't deny this. He's one of the greats, right up there with Lennon and Jagger, the Carpenters, Brian Wilson, you name it, I think easily fucking Tom. You could stand there. beside him. Easily could make a case for it. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um when it comes to the No Alarms and No Surprises chorus section, I think it's great. They got that with little descending thing working at the da 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 it's so good. They kinda counterpoint each other's fucking brilliant. Yeah. And then when it gets to the silent, we get more of those like kind of what I call the Roger O'Donnell keys, but are probably actual real strings now. Yeah. But I actually love that. Yep. <laughs> um, when it comes to the second chorus, we almost get like a little bit of a kind of a breakdown bridge section. Man, when it gets to that final chorus through, Sam, I'm really glad you mentioned those fucking background
1: vocals that are almost kind of low in the mix. That. Mm-hmm. I- in the background, like, it makes it, it makes it makes the whole damn thing. This band
0: pays attention to their background vocal arrangements. Yes, and they make yeah. a big impact on a lot of these songs. Oh
2: yeah, no, definitely. If you took them away, like you'd said earlier, For uh, Karma Police, you you'd fucking know yes. this, this is
0: okay. But it
2: just it gives it that Nigel Tuttle push over the edge, turning mm-hmm. it up to eleven. Yep. <laughs> when they add it on there, so if this is a, and the ending of the song is just I think it's just fucking perfect. It's
0: amazing. Yeah. The to like go all white girl. Musically, this sounds like the polar opposite of the last track With the jingly, echoed guitars inspired by the Beach Boys' Wouldn't It Be Nice A lighter bounce in the rhythm, the strumming acoustic guitar And the twinkling tones of a glockenspiel Tom sings in a gentle manner, and the melody is pleasant Then you pay attention to what the lyrics are, and uh, it's another suicide song It's a person who's had enough (laughs) of modern life Sick and tired of the mundane every day with no sign of change coming, and just decides to have a carbon monoxide handshake. Ah, Radiohead, you sly devils. Misdirecting your audience (laughs) like that? All right, I get it. I dig. We've already talked about that. This was done in one take. No shit. It was the fourth single that reached number four on the UK singles chart. That's fucking insane, dude. That's crazy. The penultimate track is Lucky. feel lucky Sam kinda a
1: little (laughs) bit I think this song is uh, linked to airbag in a way I don't know lyrically or not in an idea or a mood but uh, airbag part two this is another fucking masterpiece I can't this is is (laughs) amazing I love the chorus man I love with the guitar is bending behind when he goes uh, pull me out and he's that Guitar is bending that note up to that note,
0: which made me think of Pink Floyd. That's if yeah. that's out of David Gilmore's playbook. Oh yeah,
1: without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, and and also out of uh, Pink Floyd's playbook, I said the, the Mellotron is right behind that. Those Mellotron yes. yeah. vocals—that is straight out of Adam Hart Mother, man. You can listen to Adam Hart Mother, Pink Floyd's Adam Heart Mother, and these guys love Pink Floyd.
3: Yes, I do too. Oh, yeah. Anyways.
1: It's a fucking phenomenal. It's like pull me out of that, and I'm standing on the edge. And it drops when that song drops down. It just the bottom falls out of it. And it comes in with another riff, and I have to I have a confession to make. I'm saying it out to the world on the internet here that uh, I stole that riff. That okay, uh, we did it like with E minor. Put the... Uh, F-sharp on the high E. I didn't tell these guys in the band about it, but I like totally stole that riff, and we made a whole song on it. Yeah! I, really, I wondered where you were going with that scene. <laughs> I, ripped that I ripped it off so bad. I ripped it. I did the exact same thing. We were doing. <laughs> it was great, man. It was awesome. Yep. Hey,
2: man, Steven Tyler said... Immature artists imitate. Mature artists steal. That's so right. you're just doing what is you're doing. Steven Tyler proud. That's
1: right. I did it. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> 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 but uh, anyways, those guys won't hear this. It's perfect, man, and it has that echoey, delayed behind the lyric. You know, those are those guys are great. I don't know if it's Johnny or O'Brien doing the ding, ding, "pull me out" behind that. I play this at my funeral as like the leaving, the you know the leaving uh, soundtrack uh, playlist, like like people are leaving like they'll hear this song.
2: <laughs> I'm glad you said that because that's my next song. Is like one of my funeral songs <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad you and I are both fucking morbid fucks, man. And that's awesome. Ray, what do you think of this one? Holy shit, I love this fucking song. This is like one of my a, a million plus songs on it. Um, this is another thing I saw in the Japanese MTV documentary where Johnny's doing that like some of like the weird sound effect there is more like pick scraping yes. on between the on the strings between the nut and the tuning pegs. Right. Which sounds makes a really cool fucking sound. It does. Right? It's, yeah. It's, and you got a great clean channel guitar part in the background. Excellent bass work by Colin Greenwood on this song. And actually there's like a part with it's like this it's almost like I, I don't know if he's playing through a Telecaster, but it made me think almost of The Unforgiven with that wah-wah part, that wah
0: part. Yeah, part. yeah, yeah.
2: And I fucking love that. It's like, where did they get like this Ennio Morricone shit going yes. on in the background? I think that's... No, what...
0: they, he was an influence on this album. They, oh, they get said the fuck it. out. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, well. Right. Davis, The Beatles, uh-huh. Ennio Morricone.
2: Wow. That shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, they name-checked a couple other like artists who the, who influenced their, their whole vibe for this yeah. album. Well, that's Bitches, a, the deficit. Bitches, Bitches is, Brew. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's what the spaghetti Yes, Western Bitches is Brew. Oh, yeah, you know it's weird because on Pablo Honey, I remember reading an interview with the band and they finished off the interview with Johnny Greenwood and they said, Johnny puts on the Miles Davis album, Bitches Brew. He says, I only know one skill pattern, but I also understand modes, so I can just switch around right well. like, around. <laughs> what that cocky little limey fuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but no it's cool I, I understand it now but I love the wall part and that it's going to be a glorious day yeah that's fucking awesome yes um, and I always love the way Tom York delivered the we are standing on the edge yes because like, there's like a little bit of a vocal fry yes on the edge you know and it just kind of <laughs> s- sells the emotion of the song even. he takes one little
0: step forward he's yeah. going over <laughs> <Yeah. All right. laughs>
2: yeah. and I like the guitar chord figure that's kind of played after the uh, second figure it's almost like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da the part that Tom or the Sam's yes. uh, Tom. Yeah, now, you're now Tom
0: York Sam. <laughs> the part that Sam ripped off. Yeah, the
2: part that Sam yeah, yeah I ripped it off. Man. It's almost like a, it's replacing the vocal part that York's playing, and then we get to the guitar line that mimics the vocal melody for the chorus, which is really kind of cool too. And at the end of the song. What do they do? They end on the five chord, which is what you always, typically, your ear wants to hear resolved for the one. But there's no resolution, is it? Nope. They were standing on the edge, and shit is still unresolved. And it leaves you on the edge. It leaves you. It's the lady and the tiger. Does he go over, or does he fucking Ah, stay?
0: Yes. So that was What a great device.
2: Totally great fucking songwriting device. Well done, gentlemen.
0: Ugh. (laughs) This is the first track recorded for this album. It was written on the road, and it was played at a few shows before the band actually recorded it. They banged this track out in five hours That's for a charity compilation album. There was a charity album that was, you know, hastily put together, and they were, and I guess all the artists had to like knock a track out in a day and get it so they could rush release it. Oh wow! So they asked Radiohead if they would do that, and they wrote this. What the fuck?
2: Yeah, you know, man. they just There's, shit these things out. Huh? <laughs>
0: <sighs> There's some excellent guitar interplay with the three guitars. And there's some more atmospherics in the production, complete with synthesizer choir as a gospel type of device. Johnny's lick to me especially sounds like a nick from David Gilmour. We were talking about that. And I hear a definite Pink Floyd influence all over the album. I already said that. The lyrics are similar to Airbag in that the narrator survives a crash, this time a plane, and he feels euphoric, powerful, like a superhero. He feels like his luck has changed. He's optimistic which is something that we don't get a lot of on this album. (laughs) Tom's vocals hit the mark again, and this track-inspired Radiohead to move in this new direction, incorporating electronics and densely layered sounds. It was a signpost to what this album was going to be. And yes, listeners, we have another winner here. This was the third single from the album. And that brings us to the final track, The Tourist. Sam, how about this last one?
1: Man, I like the chorus. And he says, idiot, slow down. Yes. <laughs> uh, I dig that part. But really, compared to the rest of the album, this seems like filler to me. And uh, I don't know why they would put this on there, because the last song would have been a great closer. I don't understand. They spent a lot of time, you know, doing the sequencing and everything, and I guess they had their reasons. And so I'm not going to question it. But yeah, it could be a bad Ryan Adams song, you know, like we could be, this song could be on like Cold Roses album with Ryan Adams. Well, anyways, I do like the chorus. It's my least favorite song on the album. So I dub thee. Sam's What the Fuck Were You Thinking track? <laughs> 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 oh! <laughs> I like that, Sam. Have we had
0: that before? <laughs> I've just,
1: you no, just that's a new. That. That's new, isn't it? That's new. That's the first time.
0: All right, dude. That's You've fucking, heard the debut, listeners. Fucking hey, that's brilliant, man. Well
2: done. Alright. <laughs> Ray, what do you think? This song is slow as fuck. But I fuck I think it's fucking awesome, man. Like I got stuck in the Amsterdam Airport for like fucking nine hours one time. And like whenever I hear it, I just picture being like being they have like these conveyor belts, like a lot of airports do, but yes. I have never seen one of those before. Yeah. And you got this annoying voice in the background. Be aware of yourself when you're stepping on the belt. (laughs) Be aware of yourself when you're stepping on the belt. Be aware of yourself when you're stepping on the belt, like, over and over again. And it's, like, this fucking <laughs> pristine, beautiful fucking airport where there's, like, people from all over the world. And it's weird. You go into the bathroom to take a piss, and there's, like, a little Korean woman standing next to you. And you're like, what the fuck is that all about, man? And looking for money, and she fucking wipes your fucking pubic hair off the fucking urinal and piss where you hit the floor because you got scared by her as you were trying to take a squirt. Um <laughs> That, that's my experience at the Amsterdam airport. Uh, <laughs> but no, as far as like, it just kind of mentally takes me back to being there and just kind of looking around and uh, of course being, you know, kind of freaked out that I was going back to uh, the Middle East, but at the same time, I was just kind of like, It was just a really surreal time um, being there. And this song is just really kind of surreal. And I think that's played up by the fact that it is so slow and dreamlike. Yeah. This really beautiful guitar interplay between O'Brien and Greenwood on this song as well. And I think the vocal melody on the chorus is brilliant. There's a nice bit of electric guitar work in the last chorus, too. And it's not overblown and wanky. And I'm a huge fan of overblown and wanky. I, I'm definitely, yeah. I definitely subscribe to that school. But it's just perfect. It just fits the song and it serves the song, which all great guitar solos really should do, regardless of if it's one note or a million notes. And this song, I, could, I, I would not mind having the song play at my funeral. All right. right. That's definitely on the death list on Spotify. All right. And I could honestly listen to this fucking song all day Crystal, long. Crystal, you hear this? Yeah. <laughs> this one, <laughs> Satisfied Mind by Jeff Buckley, his version of it. And I think there's a couple other ones, too. Oh, oh! Uh, there's another song. What oh, the fuck is it? It's like a really kind of a funny song. Oh, Get Off My Cloud by the Rolling Stones. Thank <laughs> <laughs> <Dang it, laughs> you, know, yeah. That. Fuck yeah, man. Why not? That's going to be like, after all the sad stuff plays, I'm coming in with that fucking hey, hey, you, Charlie you. Watts drumby. <laughs> nice. Fucking A, right? So yeah, I can listen to this. I think this is a great song. And then you got that weird little egg timer at the end. Yeah. Which I think is just, it's, it's corny. It's weird. It's left field, but it's just kind of perfect. Yes. You know, it's kind of, there's always this kind of like undercurrent feel of technology and we're being affected by technology. That's this album and it's into their later work too. And all it's just a simple egg timer
0: being yeah. the song. Yeah. Sam I disagree with you. After all we've been through on this album, we get a nice cool down for the closer. This track was built on a bluesy lick Johnny came up with that got turned into a dreamy waltz with tons of space in it. There's still some keyboards, but they're there for atmosphere. And Phil's drumming's almost slapdash. It sounds like the sticks might fall out of his hands at any moment. It really works well. Lyrically, it was inspired by Tom witnessing American tourists in France rushing around trying to see everything they possibly could as fast as they could. The narrator is so overcharged and moving so fast you can see sparks, and he needs to slow down, relax, chill out, idiot. Johnny Solo is back to his distorted, noisy playing, but it's good, and it doesn't kill the laid-back vibe of this tune. The song winds down, and the instruments kind of fade away until you hear one triangle. Ding! It's an actual triangle. Oh, it is a triangle. Ed Grimley would be proud. (laughs) There's your resolution from Lucky. Nice! The record's over, and it gives you a moment to pause and sigh. (sighs) Nice. I
2: like the way that you brought those two together, man. Well done.
0: (laughs) Now that the track by track is finished, we'll go into our final thoughts and album ratings. For you new listeners, the rating is a zero to five system, with five being a favorite album of ours, all the way down to a zero, which got arrested by the Karma Police. (laughs) Sam, what are your final thoughts on OK Computer?
1: Man, I feel uh, privileged to be on your uh, show and get to review these records that I absolutely love. And I know I've given a bunch of fives out, man, but this is a Desert Island record, man. This is a five easily. It's not even close. I would definitely have this. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate you doing this one.
2: All right. Ray. Wow, man. I got to say, I mean, there's, there's a lot of bands we've covered on this series, and um, I've I've loved a lot of them. I've been kind of, you know, lukewarm or mid the some. Not a lot, maybe one or two. But by and large, I got to say, I've loved all the ones that we've done. It's, it's things that like go back to, like, you know, just from my childhood that I loved to, like, my teen years to my 20s. Sometimes there's a band that kind of comes along and for whatever reason they resonate with you in a way that you can kind of explain and you kind of cannot like they, they touch upon some familiar parts of you yeah and who you are and ways that you can't describe and like when I first got into Radiohead that's what I noticed I, they felt like vaguely familiar but the stuff they were throwing at me was different and I really liked that and so yeah. like there's something about that I just can't really describe why I just feel a connection with their music, and this is one of those albums where, like, it just kind of a summation of that connecting with the music. And I really connected with this album. This great music, great song, great great vocal melodies, great guitar stuff, great rhythm section too, and great arrangements. So, yeah, this is going to be a five without a doubt island disc. I mean, this is if you have to have an album from the '90s, you you should. And you say
0: you love rock, you should have this album. In 1995, as Radiohead were touring in support of their second album, The Bends*, Brian Eno commissioned the band to contribute a track to the compilation album, The Help Album, for the British children's charity, War Child. On September 4th, 1995, Radiohead recorded the song Lucky in five hours with their engineer, Nigel Godrich, so it could be rushed released on The Help Album. They enjoyed this process so much That the band decided to self-produce its next album, retaining Godrich as engineer. Radiohead wanted to move away from the grungy alternative rock they had been previously known for, and wanted to stand apart from the Britpop bands whose popularity was beginning to wane at the time. In July 1996, they started rehearsing and recording OK Computer in their Canned Applause studio, a converted shed near Didcot, Oxfordshire, But they were having trouble organizing the sessions, so they bumped Nigel Godrich up to co-producer and let him take up those responsibilities. At the record label's request, they took a break from recording to go on a 13-day American tour opening for Alanis Morissette, and they resumed recording in September 1996 at St. Catherine's Court, a historic mansion near Bath, owned by the actress Jane Seymour. Radiohead recorded about 80% of OK Computer live, making use of the different rooms and acoustics in the mansion, working at all hours of the day, and keeping the sessions flexible and spontaneous. Many of Tom York's vocals were first takes. The basic tracks were recorded by Christmas, and the strings were recorded at Abbey Road Studios in London in January 1997, with mixing done over the next two months and an additional two weeks to sequence it. The title OK Computer came from the 1978 Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio series, in which the character Zaphod Beeblebrox says the phrase, Okay, computer, I want full manual control now. The band was unsure how the record would perform when it was released, but it was an immediate hit in the UK, with it being more of a grower in the U.S. It initially got mixed reviews from critics, but over time it has earned almost universal critical acclaim. Now the consensus is that it stands as one of the greatest albums of the 90s, if not all time. In my opinion, this is a transitional album, with Radiohead adding electronics and ambient effects to the music and playing around with the song structures, totally changing their sound and musical approach. Other bands have done this type of thing and failed miserably, while others had great success like Talking Heads, R.E.M., U2, even The Beatles, experimenting with their music while continuing to widen their fan base. And the only way you can do that is if you have the songs, which Radiohead did, All the window dressing means nothing if the tunes aren't there. I didn't want to like this album. I resisted listening to this album for almost two decades, and my first listen didn't grab me right away. But now it has become one of my two very favorite albums of the 90s. I give OK Computer a resounding five, and though I never suspected this would happen even five years ago, I'm now a fan of Radiohead. And I have to once again give a shout-out To Randy and Handsome Dan of That Dandy Classic Music Hour podcast. Unfortunately, that show appears to be defunct. They haven't put out a new episode in well over a year. Hey guys, I miss ya. But it's because of them that I gave Radiohead a chance. And to me, it shows the value a podcast can have. I hope that someday someone listens to an episode of this show and discovers a new favorite record that would make what we do so worthwhile. And to all our listeners, we appreciate each and every one of you for taking some time out of your day to listen to us blabber on about music. You all rock. Yeah. And speaking of listeners, we got to thank the super listener himself, Sam George, for taking the Radiohead trip with us. Sam, you are the man. Uh, you guys are the man.
1: I appreciate it, man. I have so much fun here, and I really appreciate the friendships and uh, the, the community that we've built here. Uh, I think that your fans have uh, kind of come together a little bit, and we have a little something to come, and we're rooting for you. So, I want to give a shout out to uh, Professor Shannon. Miss you. And uh, Rockin' Mike, can't wait for your next episode.
0: And uh, uh, rock on. Fantastic. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, we'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact us directly, we can be reached at ridiculousrockrecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast, including the Album Addicts branch of the show. You can also recommend the show on Facebook if you prefer to do it that way. And yes, we'll read your Facebook recommendation on the podcast. We're also on Twitter at R4PodcastAaron and Instagram under R4Podcaster. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with us? Give us a shout. We'll set it up. We're always looking for co-pilots to host the show with us. And we would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. We'd love to hear from you. So for Alpamatics, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ray. See ya.
2: Getting along better with your associate podcast contemporaries.
3: Speaking of lyrics... Tom said that. I... Great. <laughs> but... I'm straightening Noah's <laughs> ass. Yeah. I'm straightening Noah's ass. I thought Darth Vader was even in his first it's Noah awesome, dude. I can't find the microphone. <laughs> Okay, I do remember where I was, so <laughs> <laughs> My iron lung fun. is not on the <laughs> uh, uh. oh, top. I was That's bitch. I was fucking biting my knuckle, when you're trying not to laugh.
0: And I knew you weren't. I wasn't looking at <laughs> no, was you. I
3: was trying to I'm just looking at my notes, I'm like, no, oh, no, no. If I look at Ray, I'm going to start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I need my other hmm. headphones. I have better microphone. Michael- uh, sure. <laughs> Go ahead, dude. I'm, I'm right. I I <laughs> <be to Ray. laughs> you know exactly where I was. It?
1: Okay.
3: Yeah. We do it twice because we do asshole. it right. <laughs> I got to run to the can real quick. I'm sorry. I don't blow yep. my nose. Hey,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll do that too.
3: Yeah, do it. Can I get back in Yep. I to stay with you because I don't take them off. Oh my goodness, we're going to be the best mug shit ever. <laughs> I'm, <getting to> <laughs> okay, is, uh, I'm, I'm going to piss. Okay, this is happening. And I'm going to act like Ray. I'm going to act like Ray. I want to take a piss. He's doing the same thing. We're pissing at the same time. Here we yeah. go, something. Okay, here we go. It's happening, man. Oh my god, I'm gonna put this in the chipmunk. I can hear you clearly. Yes. I got a new phone. Yeah, it's very clear. It's almost embarrassing now. I'm just a mistake. No, I don't think I won't put that in there. Rain down. Rain down. Come on, rain down. Oh, me. (laughs) i <laughs> <laughs>